Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 23rd of January 2011, entitled Lift Up the Fallen, and the Bible reading is taken from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'd like to be opening your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 6. I invite you to stand with us for the reading of God's Word beginning in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Father, we thank you again for our time together this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we gather here this evening that we can have confidence that, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, you can take these words, speak to our hearts that which no man can do. Of course, in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Of course, a few verses in this reading that would be certainly familiar to many of you this evening. We find that it also comes right behind some other verses that we have been looking at recently in dealing with our study of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if I ask you this evening, how many of you in your life, you walk through this life, how many have ever fallen before? Tripped? in any way fallen, found yourself on the ground when you weren't supposed to be there. Well, if you've become too dignified in your older age, I'm sure that at least as a youngster, you took a spill at some time or another in your life. I can still, I guess, remember with a certain amount of humor a few years back when we were either just coming up to or during our February conference, and we were down in the city center. 
And uh, we were there with the beavers and, and uh, don't even remember what we had gone down there for. I think going down to the market or something. But uh, nothing really sparked it. There were no words spoken. There was no conversation. But uh, somehow, I don't even know how we started, but uh, uh, the next thing you know, Brother Brian and I are racing wide open down this pavement determined to uh, beat the other one to the next corner. And somewhere along there, suddenly, instead of running as normal, I was flying through the air. Now, I accused Brother Brian that since he couldn't beat me, he couldn't outrun me, that he'd trip me instead so that he could get the jump. But in actual fact, never did know it was either a shoelace or there was an unlevel spot on the, on the pavement. Never did even know what made me fall, what tripped me. But, uh, but something there that was unexpected in the way sent me flying. I've never known anybody that has fallen and skipped themselves and hurt themselves in any way that planned to do it. It's always something. Sometimes you don't even know what's caused it. Sometimes you do, but anyway, it's something that has either happened unexpectedly or turned up unexpectedly that was not part of the plan that you had in what you were doing. Most kids take at least a fall or two when they're learning to ride their bikes when they're small. They don't want to fall. There's a fear of falling that they have to overcome. This evening, so many times, spiritually, Christians fall. You know, just like I'm sure that some of the falls that you've either experienced or seen, some falls can uh, maybe just hurt your pride and nothing else. Some may, you, you may come away with a few scratches or scars or something that uh, you didn't have before. But a lot depends on the fall. You know, if you trip up on the pavement like I did and fall, then, you know, chances are that uh, you're going to get up and walk away again, though you may be hurting. But if you did that same fall and fell off of the cliff or the side of a mountain, then you may not get up again. People fall and people have different types of falls and some are more serious than others, but, you know, the Bible is giving us some great wisdom here in, as Christians in how that we should be dealing with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, here in the, in the verse, first verse that we read there, he's talking about uh, seeing one that's been overtaken in a fault, that ye which are spiritual restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Seems that he's probably talking about maybe, you know, something there that, uh, uh, again, I think it's purposeful that not a specific thing is mentioned. Could be sin. Could be a trip up along the way in many areas. Of course, in the next verses, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. One place they've tripped over, it might be morally or spiritually or however, in the other place, somebody's got a very, very, very heavy burden that they're having to carry at that point. He's encouraging us to be there one for another. It's interesting in the physical world around us, have you ever seen some of these restored antiques in some of these stores? Have you ever noticed how some of those restored antiques 
have a whole much higher price tag on them than some of those new pieces that you could go out and buy. How about some of these cars? I know Andy's played around with some a bit, restored some. Those cars of bygone years that, uh, you know, have ended up on the heap somewhere. And then somebody takes and restores them back to their original and sometimes better than original condition before they quit working. Amazing. The price tags on many of those things that have been broken and restored can far exceed going out and buying a new one that's never had any problems yet on its destiny. We find that it's a shame sometimes, though, that in the Christian world, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure if I ask you here this evening, how many of you, I've asked you this question before, how many of you know somebody, somebody that maybe was close to you, somebody that you maybe even looked up to spiritually, somebody that you saw as a strong spiritual Christian, and yet today you see that person nowhere around the things of God. They've fallen away from what they one time were. It's kind of strange sometimes that I think in the natural world that sometimes people in the business world can see more value in restoring some object like a piece of furniture or a car than in the Christian world we see in restoring a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe they've just had a small fall, but maybe they've had a big fall. The truth is, is God is encouraging us here. We sing the song sometimes around here, the great old hymn that was another of Fanny Crosby's. Most of the time when we sing it, we're singing strictly with our mind upon seeing the lost saved. We certainly much of this song deals with that. But have you ever listened to the words real closely? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. But then it goes on to say, weep or the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. The next verse says, though they are sliding him, still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly. Plead with them gently. He will forgive if they only believe. The third verse says, down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, cords that were broken will vibrate once more. We find that as we read through those words in rescuing the perishing, it seems that there's no doubt that, yes, she had the lost in mind to see them saved, but it seems that she had our brothers and sisters in mind as well, some that have been somewhere that they no longer are. Here in our instructions, I want us to notice, first of all, that as we look here in Galatians chapter 6, 
I want us to notice, first of all, simply the fallen. He says, brethren, and notice he is saying brethren. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to the church here. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, a person, a human being, we're not talking about just some inanimate object. We're talking about a brother or sister in Christ that knows the Lord Jesus Christ has been saved, but for some reason they've fallen. Now, maybe they just tripped up. Maybe there was something unexpected in their path that threw them for a loop. The fact is, is that there are those around us that are fallen, and God is speaking specifically about those people, those souls, the very souls that Jesus came and died upon the cross to give himself for. And you know, one of the things that we need to be very aware of, and he, he really points this out, when he says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, we'll come to that later, but the simple truth is, there's not a Christian anywhere on the face of the earth that is exempt from falling. I'm sure that you're not planning on falling. I'm certainly not planning on falling. I'm not planning on getting tripped up, and I'm not planning on falling off of some cliff somewhere. But the truth is, is that none of us are exempt. Just like in the physical realm, it's usually the things that we don't expect. We don't go down deciding, I'm just going to fall down and hurt myself. <laughs> Something comes along that trips us up. We find that the Scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, the Apostle Paul, looking at himself, said, I, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He knew that within him, in his unregenerated flesh, that there was nothing good. And you know what? I've never known a Christian, a child of God anywhere, that hasn't had a stumble somewhere along the way. Thank good most of the time that you trip, you fall down, you get right back up and keep going. Sometimes you trip, you fall down, and you don't get up so easily. Sometimes like Brother Steve this past week when he hurt his ankle, sometimes you got to go and get patched up a little bit before you can get up and walk off again. You see, this brother here, this person, this brother or sister in Christ, they've been overtaken in a fault. Now, it's interesting, the word fault there, what do you think of when you think of fault? Most of the time when we, we use the word more when we're trying to think about it's somebody's fault, <laughs> somebody else's fault besides mine that it happened. That's not really what the word is carrying here. The word that we have here is fault. It actually carries the idea of stumbling or falling or lapsing in judgment. 
I mean, it could be something that is simply as simple something as just, you know, somebody says something they shouldn't say. Somebody does something they shouldn't do. It might be somebody that they have confidence in that lets them down. It might be something more serious. It might be a moral sin that they've found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time that Satan has taken advantage of. We've got an enemy out there that certainly wants to use anything he can to trip you up, to trip me up, to trip anybody up. Overtaken in a fault. Maybe they've fallen away from God. Maybe they've fallen away from God's word. Maybe they've fallen away in their dedication, their commitment, their service to the Lord, but something has tripped them up. They're not what they used to be. You know, as we read through the scriptures, it's amazing how that uh, some of those that God used the most in the scriptures were those that the Bible also shares with us where they tripped up along the way somewhere. Peter sure tripped up a few times. <laughs> Peter tripped up. He was actually, you know, Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> that didn't mean that he didn't love Peter. But Peter was being used in a wrong way at the wrong time. And sometimes it's those we care the most about, those we love the most, that without any intention or anything meant on anybody's part, we can be hurt. Peter could also uh, suffer from arrogance sometimes. <laughs> Wasn't he the one that stood there and told the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 14? He says, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Jesus saith unto him, verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. What did Peter do? The Bible says, but he spoke the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. No way that could happen. But it did. It did. He was thinking himself a lot stronger than what he was. That's dangerous. James and John, two of the other apostles, they obviously had an anger problem that they had trouble, trouble dealing with. In Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, they went to another village. I mean, you know, they just got so upset. Lord, should we just call down fire and just have them destroyed? Jesus, that's not what I came for. What good is that going to do? What about Thomas? He obviously had a problem with doubt, didn't he? Oh, thank God. Thank God, you know, that when he saw his Lord, that all changed. We find that we don't even know why he wasn't there in the first place. Maybe that was because God wanted to show us something. 
But the truth is, is that even those that are closest to the Lord and each and every one of us this evening, we all have faults, but what's the difference in this one that's fallen here? He's been overtaken in a fault. We all have faults, but he's stumbled. He's, he's fallen in some way, shape, or form, and we see people all around us. And sometimes, you know, they, they literally, they, they, just, they just need a hand to get their balance again. Sometimes you can, have you ever caught somebody when they were about to fall and they'd lost their balance and you were there just to, to keep them from having that fall? Because you see, we see not only the fallen here, but the one that I call the fruitful. What do you mean, preacher? Look. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Now, who is he talking to there? Ye which are spiritual. Well, this verse, do you think it's accident where it's at in the Bible? Back up just a few verses to verse 22 in the chapter before. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And then, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... He just told us. He's talking to those who are spiritual, who their lives are being controlled by the Holy Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is able to work through their lives. You see, that should be in all of us. There's a big difference in the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh. You say, preacher, can't people be good in the flesh? Yes, I've met good lost people. I've met good Christians. But there's a big difference, that, and the fruit of the Spirit, the character that comes from God controlling a life. Because in the flesh, there's also going to be other fruits like hatred, bitterness, strife, anger, harshness, condemnation, unforgiveness, arrogance, wrath. The list could go on. You ever felt any of those emotions? If you're human, you have. We find that the Bible is speaking here to us as Christians, that there are those around us that are going to trip up and fall sometimes. But there needs to be within us those that are filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's not that we in our flesh can do anything. It's because of he who lives within us that that fruit of the Spirit ought to be able to work through us to be able to lift up the fallen. In his commentary, John Phillips says here, all of this is done in the spirit of meekness. This particular fruit of the Spirit is most helpful in dealing with the fallen. It is very disarming and carries with it no atmosphere of blame. It does not lecture or express censorious surprise and disapproval. It is alive to the weakness of the flesh, aware of how easy it is for anyone 
to fall. He says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We must all consider the fact that our flesh is not above sin. Now, we talk much about living holy and living spiritual lives, but that's only going to happen when we truly are filled and controlled by the Spirit. You see, so many times it's so easy for a Christian that's really saved, that's really going to spend eternity in heaven one day. But when it comes to the day-to-day life and, and, and walking here on this earth, they're doing it without the control of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Yes, God is present. Folks, remember in our study of the Holy Spirit that every child of God, if you belong to him, you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit and you're part of his family. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual thing in our day. Just because we're filled today doesn't mean we'll be filled tomorrow. And the thing is, it's not just for you. It is, we know, for our witness with the lost. But I'm saying here in Scripture, we know also that it's for us to be there to help the fallen brother or sister in Christ. The Lord wants to do that. And he wants to do it through us. We find that he says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, when he was writing to the Corinthians, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You know, that's not saying you should go around expecting to fall. <laughs> that's not saying going, that you go around planning to give in to the next temptation that comes along but it's recognizing that the only way that we won't fall and the only way that we won't give in to, if not the next one, the one after it, or the one after it, that temptation that comes along somewhere is that God truly have control of our lives, that the Spirit be in control, that we are filled with the Spirit. We have this responsibility Philip says here, the person who would thus minister to a brother in need will be considering himself lest he too be tempted. Although the spiritual person will be quick to see a brother's peril and need, he will be ever mindful of his own frailty and danger because temptation lurks in the path of all of us. No state of holiness exists in this life that is beyond temptation. Yes, we want to live holy. But in this life, in this flesh, you'll never get to a point that you're beyond temptation, that you're beyond stumbling, that you're beyond falling somewhere along the way. So we see as we look in this passage, first of all, we see the fallen. We see the compassion and the love, whatever the reason, whatever the reason, They've stumbled, they tripped, they're not everything that they should be. Whatever the reason, we're being taught to have compassion for them. We're being taught to care for them. We're being taught 
to help them while at the same time recognizing it could be me that trips the next time. You know, it's not always an easy thing. We find that the focus here, though, we've, we've seen the fallen. We've seen the faithful that God wants us to be as his children, the fruitful that are being controlled by the Spirit. But I want you to notice the focus of all of it. The focus. What's the point of it? What's the object of it? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. That's what he's wanting. Doesn't matter what's tripped them. Doesn't matter how they got there. It doesn't matter if they've been careless or if it was just something just right out of the blue that they didn't see coming, they didn't expect. You know, some of you, like myself, have been involved in auto accidents. I never tried to get hit by another car, but I've sure been hit when I wasn't expecting it. So many times, Bible's teaching us here, it doesn't matter why they've fallen. It doesn't matter. They might have been arrogant about it. <laughs> they might have been careless about it. But the Bible says that if they've fallen, we ought to be lifting them. We find that here he says, restore such an one. The meaning of restoration literally means to either repair something that has a functioning problem or to return something to its previous position, to be restored. The Greeks actually, actually used the word that's recorded in Scripture here, which actually was the description of what they talked about when a doctor was setting a bone that had been broken. That's what the word restore there was most commonly used for. I've been very blessed in life. I can honestly say I've never had a broken bone that I knew of. But if you had a broken bone, if you had just broken your leg or your arm or whatever, who would you call upon to fix that broken bone? The next door neighbor that's a plumber? I mean, he puts pipes together. Surely he can fit that bone together, right? <laughs> the carpenter. <laughs> he can get out his level and make sure it's all nice and straight. Well, probably if he's here, you call on Sister Cherry, that at least is a, a nurse that would have some idea of how that bone is supposed to go back together. Or if it was serious in a way, I'm sure that you'd probably go to the A&E or the doctor or somebody that knew what they were doing. Why are you saying that, preacher? I'm saying, folks, it's a serious business. People are falling when they're broken. It's a serious business. And the truth is, it matters very much how we deal with them. It matters very much with the best intentions in the world. You can mess somebody up good if you start trying to set a bone and you don't know what you're doing. But the same thing here, when people are broken spiritually, say, well, preacher, why, why should I even try then? Because you got the answer. You got the manual right there in front of you. 
And if you're a child of God, which is who he's talking to, you've got the Spirit within you. He's trying to tell you how to do it so that you will know how to do it, so that you're not the plumber or the carpenter trying to fix a bone, but you're somebody that's been trained in that area, that's been instructed in that area because he has given you that instruction. I think part of the problem sometimes is when something is broken, when something quits working, what is one of the first things that you will consider before you do any repairing or restoring to it? Well, I can tell you this. What's it been? It's been a year ago last November when our car bit the dust, wore out, quit. <laughs> Truth is, though, is when it come down to calculating the bill of what it was going to cost to repair it, we'd just worn it out so good. God had blessed us to keep it running for so long, it wasn't worth what it was going to cost to restore it. You see, the problem is here sometimes we don't think it's worth it. We see somebody that's fallen, and we don't think it's worth it. Number one, because it might cost us too much. It might cost us too much to repair it, to restore it. Or we don't think it's going to be worth anything if we try anyway. The truth is, the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul. What value does our Lord put upon one soul? One soul. What's the Bible teaching us all when he leaves the 99 to go get that one that's gone astray? Folks, I'm telling you, we need to realize whoever they are, whatever's tripped them up, Wherever they've fallen, they're worth it. They're worth restoring. It's worth whatever it costs to see them be able to be back into a position to be used to the Lord once again. What do we do? Well, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of technical I believe there's two big things, and they're not hard to remember. Two little four-letter words that begin with L, lift and love. <laughs> lift and love. Don't worry about how they got there, what tripped them up, what made them fall. Hopefully when they get up, if it was something that they knew and they remember that they can learn from, then that they will. They may not even know. I can promise you this. They didn't plan to fall off that cliff. They didn't plan to fall flat of their face. Something tripped them up somewhere. I'm going to read you this little illustration in closing this evening. A man fell into a terrible pit one day and was not able to get out by his own strength and power. A sympathetic person came along and said, well, I really feel for you down there. It must be terrible. 
the philosopher came along. He said, well, it's logical that someone would fall down there at some point. The Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall in the pit. You did something to deserve this. The mathematician came along and he began to calculate just how deep the pit was and so how long it took him to fall and how long it would take to get back out. Of course, the news reporter came along and he was just worried about getting the exclusive story on the pit. The Inland Revenue came along, the tax man. He just wanted to know if he was paying his taxes while he was in the pit. The legalist came along and told him that he deserved to be there. The Scientologist came along and said, well, the pit's just in your mind. It's not real. The psychologist came along, and he said, oh, don't worry. Your mother and the father are the blame for you being in that pit. There was a great self-esteem counselor that said, believe in yourself, and you can get out of there. Of course, the county's building inspector came along and wanted to know if he had a pit for digging the, uh, a permit for digging the pit. <laughs> Along came the hyper-Calvinist. He said, well, you were just predetermined and predestined to be there. Nothing could be done about it. Of course, the charismatic came along behind him and said, just claim that you're not in a pit, brother. The optimist came along and said, well, things could be a lot worse. And then along came the pessimist and said, boy, things couldn't get any worse than this. But then along came Jesus. He saw the man. He took him by the hand. He lifted him out. He healed his scars and loved him back to health. And I think that's what he's trying to teach us here. We can have all kinds of bright intellectual and religious ideas. But all Jesus is saying, hey, people are falling. People are getting tripped up. I want you to lift them out and love them. I want you to help them back. Doesn't matter why they're there, whether just, just help them back. They're worth it. He said, that's who I came to die for. I gave my life for them. So if they fall down, will you be one of the ones that will be there to reach out your hand, lift them up, help them out, love them, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, just love them with the same kind of love that Jesus loves them with. It's not always easy. Matter of fact, sometimes it can be real painful. Sometimes it may be hard to get them up. You know, we've seen people that have fallen in all kinds of situations, and it's, it's not always easy to get them out of the pit or back up over that cliff, but they're worth it. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, it's worth it if we'll be there for them. I've heard this a few times by a few preachers, and you may have even heard me say it before. Folks, that's God's Word. Don't change the Word. Let the Word change you. Don't try to change the Word of God. 
Just let God's word change you. Father, we thank you this evening that, Lord, as we look in here, we see that, Lord, you're encouraging us. Lord, we've been looking at this matter of the importance as believers. Lord, that we can be filled with your spirit and that you're controlling our lives and that you're using our lives and that you're working through us. Lord, we recognize with the Apostle Paul, Lord, that Lord, there is nothing good in me. Lord, we sit back and we can wonder why you even love us in the first place. Lord, we know that you do. We're so glad that you do. And fathers, we look here, you're asking us to share that love one with another, those that, those that are spiritual, those that have your spirit within, those that are allowing that spirit to fill and control their lives. Lord, you've asked us to help those that are fallen. Lord, I pray this evening that you'd help us to, to lift the fallen, to love them back, Lord. Lord, to where you would have them to be. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we look at each other to look with the same love and compassion that you do. And help us, Lord, as we realize, Lord, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week holds. Lord, we can sure get stumbled up by things along the way sometimes. But I pray, Lord, that you help us look at others and try to treat them in the way that we would want to be treated. Lord, if we unexpectedly fail, sure, we're not going to plan on it. But if something tripped us up and we fell away from you, away from your word, away from what you're wanting with our lives, Lord, even into sin, Lord, we want someone to come along and show us that they cared and offer their hand to lift us out. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be that kind of people this evening. Help us to be that kind of a church. Help us to be that kind of Christians. Lord, when we see those that are fallen, Lord, that we'll see that we can do all that we can to see them restored. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.